Hi, this is Zach Galapanakis. You're listening to Cool Jazz Favorites. Hi, this is Zach Galapanakis. You're listening to Easy Listening Jazz Favorites. Okay. Hi, this is Zach Galapanakis. You're listening to KUCI Irvine 88.9. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Do I have our guests on the line? Yes. Hello, Ziba. Hi. Thanks for calling in. We've got TK calling in from... The University of Texas in Austin. That's right. And I would like to start off with, what got you to your position as a MLS MA holder? What inspired you through your undergrad? Well, I actually started working at a library my first year or second year of college, um, just you know, because I needed a job. Um, and I worked there all throughout college, and as I was nearing graduation, I was thinking, you know, what's, what's going to come next for me? Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue grad school just because there wasn't something that I felt quite passionate about or that I felt would be, that would help me find a job afterwards. Um, but I knew I did enjoy academia. I do enjoy, uh, you know, a really academic, uh, challenging, intellectually stimulating environment. And so I thought, well working in a library would be a great place to be. Um, And so luckily I had a very supportive supervisor at the time. She had fairly recently graduated from the MOIS program at UCLA, and so I talked to her about her experience there, and she really encouraged me to look into it. And so then I decided, you know, that sounds like the right path for me. There's definitely jobs waiting after graduation, and so... I decided UCLA was going to be the place that I tried to get into, and I was able to start there about a year later, Um, and they actually have a dual degree program, um, a master's in Latin American studies as well as a master's in library information science, and that's what I had studied in undergrad, so I thought this is the perfect path for me to continue on. Wow, that's awesome. I wish I got in that program. And then you met our our friend that works here at UC Irvine that interviewed a while ago, and she um, let me know about your new position because I knew about you previously as just an undergrad um, fellow college radio DJ. Right, right. We go way back. (laughs) Yeah, KSBC Claremont, correct? Yes, KSBC Claremont. I definitely still love that radio station a lot and try to go back and do shows there when I can. (laughs) And then in Texas, you do a show as well? Yeah, I have a hip-hop program. I do an international hip-hop program called Hip Hop Hooray, Um, and I actually have a really wonderful co-host. We switch off every week, and she focuses a lot on U.S. hip-hop, really good underground conscious stuff, and I do more international things. So I'm a big supporter of the community radio, and I think it's awesome that you have a community radio show dedicated to libraries. It's the best of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't introduce the show properly. This is Our Digital Future every Friday at 4.30 p.m. where we discuss the spaces of our information 
future spaces digitally, everything. We talk to librarians and archivists around the world. I'm so excited that you're an archivist that we're talking to that works in Texas. So you didn't have a problem um, finding a position right after grad school? Well, um, I guess comparatively speaking, it was a pretty relatively easy um, transition. I did, so I graduated from UCLA in December of 2008, and I didn't start this position until April 2009. So there was a little bit of downtime. I applied to about 25 jobs um, all across the U.S. basically. I figured, you know, it was right when California was having a lot of budget issues. And so even though I wanted to stay in California, I really wasn't finding any job openings here. So I figured, well, it's my first job. I'm just going to have to, you know, cast my net wide and see see what happens, um, you know, and luckily since, you know, I'm young and it's at the beginning of my career, I figure if I'm going to move at any point in my life, I guess now is, you know, going to be the right time to do it. And I can always come back to L.A., you know, after I get more experience. So um, UT was the first job that I applied to, um, and it happened to be the job that I was most interested in, and it was the first job um, or the first place that made me an offer. So wow. I think it was pretty pretty much meant to be. <laughs> and you get to go to South by Southwest now. Yeah, it's really fun. And, you know, I would like to mention that South by Southwest can be done completely free. You don't have to buy the wristbands. There's tons of free shows. It's really not even worth going to the paid showcases, in my opinion. Um, There's so much to do that's free. So if that's ever deterred anyone, um, you should reconsider. (laughs) I so want to try that, and I've heard that's a great city for audiovisual and all the creative stuff, just like out here, but over there. Yeah, it's a different vibe, for sure. Um, The scene, well, I'm thinking more musically, the music scene is different, but there's still some interesting things going on in Austin. So out of the 25 places you applied to, um, how many interviews did you get? I, well, I got two, I did two interviews, including UT. I also interviewed at the Claremont Colleges, where I graduated from, Um, but Funnily enough, after I applied to UT and accepted the position, I probably got maybe five other universities who called me back um, and asked if I wanted to interview, and I told them, oh, I've already accepted the position. Um, I did actually get another offer at the Getty, but it was for a fellowship, and it was temporary, so it, it wasn't, you know, worth accepting, I thought. Wow. Yeah, that's exciting because um, I graduate this May, so I'm thinking the same thing. Apply to like a lot of places and see where where I can um, restart my career. Yeah, you know, and I think that's I think that's a really good um, perspective and approach to have as a recent grad because. I don't think there's a short of a job. I always see lots of job postings come through. I think people just have to be open-minded about where their first job might be and then, you know, try to learn as much as possible. And if you really want to leave and go somewhere else to a place that's more desirable to you, um, then, you know, you're, you're even better equipped to go to that place. Um, I know a lot of people who have taken jobs that, you know, they thought, maybe wasn't their ideal job, but they end up learning a lot anyways, and it really serves them in the end if they want to move somewhere else. 
So do you feel like having two grad degrees helped you as, as getting interviews? Um, absolutely. You know, I applied to a lot of positions that had some sort of specialty. Um, I have a master's in Latin American studies um, with emphases in Spanish and Portuguese. So I have, I speak Spanish and Portuguese. Portuguese, which I think is a huge asset, and I think any language skills um, are going to be beneficial um, to anyone on the job market right now, because I feel like there are a lot of people who have gone back to grad school because the economy is so bad and that, you know, it's really difficult to find jobs, so there are a lot of educated people out there, um, so anything that can kind of give you that edge, whether it be a specialization um, or language skills um, can, you know, can only benefit you. And so you're an archivist. Um, I, I just am completing a certificate of special collections and archiving, oh, cool. so I'm hoping to be an archivist as well. So that's exciting. So tell us about your archive. Sure. Uh, I work on a project called the Human Rights Documentation Initiative, and it's based out of the University of Texas Libraries um, at Austin. And it's a pretty new project. We started in 2008, and the main focus of our project is to to collect and preserve uh, documentation of human rights violations committed around the world. And the way in which we approach um, doing this preservation work is uh, working with partners, um, so different types of organizations uh, who are creating or collecting this documentation and working with them to find preservation solutions. And our philosophy is that this sort of documentation belongs in the context in which it is created. So unlike other archives that um, are very physical and acquire physical materials, since we work with digital materials, we actually only acquire digital copies. Um, we don't want to take material away from people. We just want to help them preserve it. So, for instance, we work with a museum called Kigali Genocide Memorial based in Kigali, Rwanda, which is the capital of Rwanda, and they have hundreds of video testimonies from genocide survivors um, from the genocide that occurred in 1994, and all these tapes are, you know, really rich for research, but they're really inaccessible because they're only available on site in Rwanda. And so through our digitization partner, through our preservation partnership, the museum has digitized copies of their tapes and sent them to UT for safekeeping, the digital copies. And then we've developed a website where people can view the testimonies. And if people are interested in seeing what that looks like, uh, the website is genocidearchiverwanda.org.rw. Wow, so you guys are very futuristic archive, very digital, very into the information um, future, which is one question I had for you, which I'm um, not cheating. This is also my a final exam question <laughs> for my rare books and manuscripts class. They wanted to know, what do you think are the three greatest um, advantages for archives in the next 10 years that you think archives can take advantage of? So definitely, I think your archive took advantage of one, and that's di the digital. So yeah, I, I think technology, um, technology enables so much sharing and collaboration um, with digital materials that we no longer have to be focused um, so much on physical objects of collecting. Um, I don't mean that we should stop collecting um, 
paper or physical archives, but what I mean is um, we shouldn't let um, issues of custody be barriers. We should find ways uh, to collaborate uh, on collections, and I think digitization really enables that. Do you, do you see anything... Um do you go to like conferences and you probably have to travel a lot for your materials it's worldwide yeah I was traveling a lot last year um, when we still had grant funding um, <laughs> but yes uh, you know professional development is very important to me and I think it should be for anyone going into the field um, it should be an important aspect of, of what you focus on in addition to your work um, or it should be ideally tied into your work um, because you know, our field is changing so quickly because of technology that we need to learn, we need to keep our skills current. So I normally go to Society of American Archivists, that's my main conference, but because I also have a specialty in Latin American studies and I do do um, collection building in Brazil studies, I also just became a member of SALAM, which is the Seminar on the Acquisition of Latin American Library Material. And for anyone who's interested in maybe Latin American Studies librarianship, um, that's, that's the organization um, to know about. Well, I did do my most recent minor in Chicano Latino Studies, so that is an option, and I do speak Spanish, so that's good to know. Yeah, definitely. You know, there are there are lots, especially in the Southwest, there are lots of um, positions for Chicano Studies. Um, we have a Latino Studies librarian at our, um, at our library as well. An archives, and then you said you special you are into Bra Brazil. They're doing the World Cup soon, right? <laughs> yes, and the Olympics, actually. Oh, you can go archive that. <laughs> yeah, it would be great if uh, I could somehow get get money <laughs> to do that that would be amazing and then um, tell us also um, what's new in your job for the next coming months do you see new projects well I so I work at the Benson Latin American collection that's where I'm that's where my office is based out of um, the human rights project isn't just focused on Latin America but we do uh, we do have a project in El Salvador, um, but our Latin American Studies Library is very, it just joined with the Institute of Latin American Studies, so hopefully um, working with the staff there, you know, we're going to be looking into different funding opportunities to continue some of the work that we've been doing and hopefully be able to acquire new partners, uh, establish new partnerships. Um, I don't know if you heard about the Guatemala Police Archive that has now gone online. Um, that on your that's, website. Yeah, that's a project, a new project that we just launched. Um, it's not part of the human, it's more part of the Benson Latin American Collection than it is the Human Rights Documentation Initiative, but obviously very much connected in terms of human rights in Latin America, and that's really exciting. So hopefully we'll be doing more projects like that um, in Latin America, as especially as all these uh, truth and reconciliation commissions and prosecutions um, from these past military governments have, have started to come out in, you know, in the past 10 years. So you, you've, been, you've been at your position for a few years now, so were you going to go into a different field and is in your next position? Um, you know, I think that still remains to be seen. I, this position that I have is really ideal. Um, it's pretty much exactly what I wanted to do um, 
when I left grad school, I thought, you know, I have a training in archives and I really want to find a way to tie it into social justice work that was very important to me. And so this job is really a perfect perfect mix of the two. And so I still feel like I have a lot to learn where I am. Um, working with Born Digital Materials is very exciting because it's, there's still a lot of unknowns. It's still... Um, there's no established preservation standards for born digital materials, so there's still a lot to learn there. Um, so I just want to focus focus on that, and and we'll see what happens in the future. But I, I'm really happy doing the work that I do now. Do you know who it gets out to? Do you have like a way to track your stats and where the resources are being used? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We actually looked at the um, at the stats for the Genocide Archive of Rwanda project the other day, and we noticed we had a lot of hits in the Czech Republic. And we were we traced it back to a newspaper article that covered that covered the archive. Um, the U.S. is one of the top hits. Uh, France is also um, a user, top user. So it's definitely. It's definitely looked at internationally. What do you see in your colleagues' work? So you're going to these conferences for archivists or in general, just also the Latin American, and do you see a trend worldwide of anything coming up? That's a good question. Um, I actually did not attend um, the Society of American Archivists conference this past year because of the labor dispute that was happening at the hotel. Um, it was at a Hilton hotel, and the workers there had called for a boycott. So I didn't want to cross that picket line. Um, but I noticed within Latin American studies at the Salam conference this past year, the conference theme was human rights in Latin America. And I do feel like human rights is something that's um, starting to really take hold in universities and something that universities are starting to put priority on. There are other human rights archives in the U.S. Uh, Columbia University has a big one, Duke University, the University of Connecticut. And, um, of course, there are lots of human rights centers um, in different universities, mostly associated with law schools. But I definitely think that at least within the academic realm, it's human rights is being looked on as a strategic issue. So I hope, you know, we'll be seeing more human rights types archives springing up as well. Um, but I think there's, within Latin American studies, there's a lot of look towards Central America right now. Um, and, of course, um, issues with the U.S.-Mexico border is going to remain, I think, very active until um, until there is some sort of resolution or some sort of approach to, to the immigration issue here in the U.S. Yeah, you're not far from a military base right where you are as well. Yeah, in, um, well, there's there's lots of military bases in Texas, but which one are you referring to, like Fort Hood or Dallas, and there's like Dallas-Fort Worth? Um, so I think it's like an hour from you, I don't know. Yeah, I honestly don't venture outside Austin all too much, I have to admit. You're probably in the best city. I don't know. I don't know. I, I should check, check Texas out sometimes. But I want to let everybody um, remind them that you're listening to right now. We're talking with the human rights archivist from the University of Texas Libraries Human Rights Documentation Initiative. And this is T.K. Sangwand. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. And also you have a Twitter for your professional... Um, it's U-T underscore H-R-D-I, and I notice you have a lot of great updates on there. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, we mostly post a lot of uh, human rights-related events in Austin, but whenever we have a new project or have a new collection, that's how we let people know about it. And then you have a website as well, so everyone should check out the archives. Yeah, it's lib.utexas.edu slash hrdi. And on the front page of the website, um, we have a link to our audiovisual collections, which you can view online. Um, in addition to the Kigali Genocide Memorial Collection, we also have the Freedom Rangers Collection, and they are a non-governmental organization that works in Southeast Asia and provides humanitarian aid to internally displaced people in Burma, but they also document the human rights violations that are occurring under the military government there. And we also have uh, video oral history testimonies from people affected by the death penalty in Texas. And we also just started putting up um, raw footage from documentary films produced by Witness, which is a human rights video advocacy organization based in New York. And the collections we're starting to put up right now are related to um, rape being used as a weapon of war in Sierra Leone, as well as footage from Guatemala um, from this uh, community that was affected by a massacre there during the Civil War. Wow, that's great so, work you're doing is making that available for the public access for just to promote awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, since we're a public library, we're a public institution, um, one of our main goals is to provide uh, free and open access to materials to support um, learning and, and advocacy and teaching. And is your job a lot of programming? Do you do the website, the um, interface display and organization of information? Um, we actually have a really great team um, that does a website. I mean, I, you know, I did a lot of input with them, um, knowing what sort of content we would put into the website, but they're the ones who did all the programming um, that went into it. We, um, there's a woman who's an information architect. She also has her master's degree um, in information science, and that's how she uses it, which I think is really fascinating. She does really great work with um, user experience. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant, is that, that position. Because I knew that it required an MLIS, too. That's great that there's so many positions for us in the information field. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's one of the most versatile degrees. Um, you find people working, you know, in corporations, in museums, um, at small, small community archives and public libraries and academic libraries. And um, I have a friend who also graduated from UCLA, and now she's working for a tech startup company, basically doing market research. Um, so I think it's a very, very versatile degree. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to call up, us up at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And um, you've shared a lot of great information as an archivist. Congratulations on your work and your accomplishments. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share about the work of HRDI. It's definitely something I'm very passionate about, um, and it's always great um, to know that people are interested in the work that we're doing. So thanks again. Oh, no problem, and we'll, we'll check out your radio show, too, for some hip-hop hooray. Yeah, it's facebook.com slash hip-hop hooray radio. Maybe all um, archivists are doing college radio shows or just community radio shows and working in the library.
You know, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, if you think about you know providing information and then、um, you know saving that information. I notice you do podcasts, which I think is really great.、Um, I know you know working in community. Radio was actually one of the things that inspired me about doing archives because I was thinking back. I was like, "Wow, this is to me. Radio is such a great resource." And at my radio station, none of it was archived. Like we didn't archive our programs, and I thought, "What a loss!" You know. So I definitely think there's a connection there. <laughs> That's definitely true. So ha- have a good holiday, and thanks for calling in. No problem. It's good to talk to you, Ziba. Take care. You too. Adios. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our digital future, and thanks again to our guest TK from the University of Texas Libraries Human Rights Documentation Initiative. Check out their website,、um, link to kci.org's Twitter, and、um, stay tuned for more public affairs programming here.、Um, congratulations on the quarter being over; finals are done, and we're going to end the song, the show, with the same. Artists, we started the show off with. It's going to be some Hey Mercedes for you. Have a good weekend.